Welcome to Fashion Forum, a series brought to you by the British Fashion Council, aimed at creating positive change and highlighting the relationship between the creative industries, celebrating not only fashion designers, but also the broader creative community. Each episode welcomes a broad range of voices, sharing personal experiences, as well as discussing the biggest issues in fashion today. I'm Susie Lau, a fashion writer also known as Susie Bubble and creator of the Style Bubble blog. And today I'm here to speak to my friend, the New York-based fashion designer, Prabal Garong. Prabal, how are you? I am good. How are you? You seem to be, um, well, not in your work mode. <laughs> I am in a post-fashion month. Uh, sort of a debrief. I'm uh, taking a moment to uh, spend time with uh, my other half, and uh, I'm in Turks and Caicos uh, on well on a very sneaky holiday, a sort of cheeky. Cheeky, sneaky holiday, because it's a strange time to take a holiday. Obviously, everyone has just like finished up a season. Everyone is in full swing. In London, it's like really busy at the moment. How are things in New York? Um, how was Fashion Week? Um, it was, you know, it was great and kind of surreal at the same time because you know, we hadn't done shows, as you know, physical shows for such a long time, all of us. And um, then finally to be back. And, you know, New York City, I would say, was came back with a bang. Like, a lot of designers from, like, you know, European designers also, they came here. And it was really jam-packed within a couple of days. And it was really, the energy was really up. Um, I My show was, like, the first day last show. And, uh, the the you know, the newly elected um, or, like, new, newly appointed governor, you know, um, the first female governor of New York, she showed up and it was just like, there was this, you know, and, and then you had like Chloe Flower playing the music, it was outside, I wanted to make sure the show was outside, you know, just so people felt a little more at ease, I, you know, you don't, you didn't want to jam back everyone in a crowded room. And it was emotional, it was surreal, it was, we were trying to get acclimated, we, there was like celebration, but I mean, all of us were still aware of the fact that you know, we all are in such a privileged place to be able to, because we have access to vaccine, we have access to healthcare, that we're able to do this. But different parts of the world, where I come from, let's say in Nepal or in India, it's still not a reality, you know. So um, it was great. I, I will say one thing, though. Um, what was really great to see was the community, the fashion community and fashion lovers in the community were, I would say, more warm optimistic great to see like happy to see each other otherwise you know normally shows are everyone just like yeah totally i i mean i wish you i wish more americans were actually in paris this time because it was such a it was such a great like kind of feeling of like ah oh, this is the reason why we work in this industry and it's like actually made up of genuine friendships and connections and I like when I was hugging people and seeing people again after like a year and a half I just like and then seeing clothes as well I just got a real kind of uh happy kind of feeling that um yeah no that it kind of affirmed why our industry is so dynamic and uh alluring 
Um, I wondered, uh, we're going to go, I, we're definitely going to talk about your show again because uh, it ha, it posed such an interesting question at, a, at an interesting period of time. But um, I wondered like where you kind of sat in, I guess, with everything that has gone on, um, kind of how yeah like it's like you were saying we're in this transition period are we going back to normal i think the 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 biggest question like for the for the industry at the moment is what is normal how do we find our new normal or what is your normal for sure i think that you know the as challenging as pandemic was and you know we all went through like in lockdown and everything we really came to understand is the real narrative that we need to create is one that is um, authentic and real to ourselves. So I always feel like, you know, um, normal is how each brand and each individual defines for themselves. No longer, we are, like I'm talking to my other designer friends and stylists and editors and everyone. And, you know, the conversation is you have now the freedom to kind of, walk a path that is right for you and right for your brand. You know, for the longest period of time, it was like so much dictated about, especially if you're relatively new designers or you've been in business for like, let's say, less than 20 years or 15 years, there was a certain rules you had to follow. You don't have to anymore. You know, you can actually set um, set aside your own set of rules and which includes, like for instance, if you want to do a big show, you can do it. You can do a presentation, you can do a video. There is, and what has really been incredible is Pre-pandemic, we all felt the pressure of like having to do a show, this kind of show, this model. We have to have the supermodel. We have to this. It's no longer like that. Sorry, the New York New York sirens going on, but um, um, and now you know it is up to you. Storytelling, whatever form or whatever medium you want to use, is up to you. It's just about is it real to you? Does it have any validity to you? Right. Because at the end of the day, if it's something that is like dear and personal and and you're passionate about, you'll find an audience. So that was really that's what I feel like what we're looking into. I will say, like, you know, the industry and everyone, especially in New York, and I see it in Europe also. I think there was this, you know, what they call um, revenge shopping or whatever. You know, there was like so we were so deprived of it um, that we are like come out with a bang. So I don't think we can judge what just happened and the next season for what the and you know coming near future would look like because i think we we're just getting acclimated to it you know um i think that's what is happening here like the like some of my friends they showed they didn't show you know some of them are in season or like let's say some of them during spring show they were showing pre-fall and fall collections it was just like random things and i think i like that freedom i like that freedom mm. Mm. Speaking of friends, um, we need to talk about Slations. Let's talk about Slations. Let's put it out there for the for, for British Fashion Council podcast listeners to uh, uh, familiarise um, uh, uh, people with, uh, because I know you guys have also just come out with a comic book. We're, which we're launching and it's coming out in November, first week of November. So tell... 
can I, I I have severe FOMO about this sort of Slasians things because I'm more like an honorary uh, trans trans transatlantic member because I'm not in New York. Oh, no. But um, ex explain explain to listeners um, exactly who are the Slasians and what is it what 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 is it all about like as a friendship group. So Slasians, it's the idea that anyone who has the courage um, to be their authentic self and understand the power and the space that they occupy in this world and the impact that they can create with the voice, right? And it is, it is that kind of impact is not just for themselves, but it's for the whole community. And it's, um, so it started with literally myself, Philip Lim, Laura Kim, Tina Lang, and Ezra Williams. During, the, we've always, We've been friends, as you know, like in an industry, we're like running around here and there, like all of, all that stuff. But during the pandemic, we we really found each other because we were like kind of like, an, are you okay? How are you doing? And everything. And we get we became really close and, and uh, over the food and staring stories. It, for me personally, I'll say this much is like I found an incredibly safe space to mm. be myself unapologetically. And when I say I be myself is not be, I would say, like, you know, no, no, not be shy about my race or my ethnicity or the food that I eat or the smell that it might cause, like, non, you know, Asian people. Like, you know, the, you, you'd always hear this, like, unintentional or intentional passive-aggressive com comments like, oh, what is that smell? Or what is that food? You know, you no longer have to. I could indulge in as much spices as I could, you know, while I'm eating. Or, and then also tell a story of, like, you know, um, heartbreaks and heartaches and falling in love crushes ambitions your anxiety your hopes and desires and everything in between you know you could and so we found each other and, and right around that time um during the black lives matter movement and you know uh, right after george floyd we all kind of came together about what race was like how how we could show up for other community of color also especially for the african-american community in in new york and worldwide right so we started using our platform and right then started the whole asian hate attacks and that even brought us together and we understood like the purpose of like why we exist the notoriety, access, success, and platform that has been handed to us by the universe is not necessarily a coincidence. It is a responsibility. And we really got it. It became crystal clear to us. And that's where, like, you know, we were like, we started just like jokingly attacking slasians. And, you know, like, because we are like, we love fashion. We want to slay with our looks, but we want to slay with our, like, you know, conviction, values, and intentions also. And now it has turned into, so we are launching... Uh, this comic book series called House of Slay, you know, and um, and yeah, and it is it is literally basically we're opening the doors to everyone who believes in the similar values, which is standing up against hate and evil, any kind of those kind of rhetorics, and really building a community of love. Uh, and solidarity. So that's what we're excited about it. We're launching in where the launch party is in the end of October. I wish that you have no idea. Here we always talk about you guys. We're like, oh my God, oh, I yeah. wish they were all here. 
I am planning a trip in late November. Once the ban is lifted post 8th of November, I am out there. I'm I'll be seeing you. I'll be seeing you for sure. Like I need to I need to uh soak up some of that Slasian energy. And I have to say, like when I saw that comic book, it was a yeah, so Tina it was Tina Lang who showed it to me in Paris. She showed me like a sort of draft of it. I really um did think it was as well as it being like really kind of cute and amazing. But, you know, the sad kind of symbolism of it is that, you know, you're a group of fashion designers or people in, in fashion. Um, and at the time when we were sort of all kind of coming together, like having like our Instagram DM conversations, galvanizing for stop Asian hate. I think that was back in, I don't know, early, like end of last year, early this year. Um, it really did feel like you guys were like superheroes, you know, like you were so, each of you like had such strong convictions. You, Philip, Eva Chan, um, Laura, Tina, you know, everyone just kind of, brought in like such a strong and powerful passion towards what was going on. And it was like a very visceral reaction to what was happening with the hate crimes in New York. And um, I actually was so, I was inspired by it, by your passion. And that is why I kind of initially joined the Stop Asian Hate Movement in the US and then obviously try to like further extend the conversation in 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 the UK and Europe so yeah no i want definitely wanted to take this opportunity to thank you for actually galvanizing that in the first instance like i i don't think people are aware like behind the scenes like how many of these like conversations were going on that kind of uh made that conversation be amplified across social media like when i explain it to people people are like what 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 like why like you know you guys are like fashion designers or you know you're like it's it isn't isn't really necessarily our remit but for you i think you out of maybe all of us you have always been extremely vocal about various issues, you know, extending from your 2019, who gets to be American, American show is a seminal show, I, you know, remember it well. And it really, it's a question that I actually, um, going to New York shows and seeing different designers come through, like, more, divi more diverse designers come through in New York Fashion Week, I do think about that question a lot. You know, I mean, you know, as you know, um, a lot of it is about our invisibility. You know, we live in an industry that um, you know, we love. We All of us love what we do. Like we love fashion, creativity. It's just not about clothes. I think like, you know, if we were just loving the clothes in itself, we would just be buying and shopping. That, that would be it, right? We mm -hmm. understand the process and it, you know, it's an arduous process. It's not an industry that's an easy industry. A, to be successful, to make money, to like and have a lavish lifestyle. But, 
We all are. I, in some ways, I always say the industry is filled with misfits, which is like, you know, they were never in their hometown. They were never part of like a like certain group that they were never allowed to be and rendered invisible, rendered weird or different. And we found each other. And this industry fosters that. Well, while it fosters that also, we also know how industry is such a Eurocentric uh, point of view for the longest period of time, and it still continues to be. So whenever there is any kind of like diversity or inclusivity or like let's say you know they're like well we are inclusive it is very much in the you know like borderlining tokenism or borderlining almost like a quota system well i have this money asian people this many black people this many latino and we do got good you know and what i understood early on was initially like and i was like when i launched my brand i was like navigating like understanding the world of like um you know how the fashion industry functions right after two years i was just like you know what it really is not serving me well when everyone follows the same path and you know and honestly the path that has been set by um like in our white counterparts you know they're they're and they do and i'm not like you know how to say i'm not blaming them for it because that's that's what they've been doing from my end what i wanted to do was I am I didn't grow up here. I was born in Singapore, grew up in Nepal, India, like and all over the world. And I want to bring that perspective to this fashion industry that is from the the east the, the world that is that I come from, the uh, you know, the eastern part of this universe. And and I was like the way the narrative is told, the way I want to say it, there were a lot of people who were not like you know able to understand that. So I was like I need to start creating narratives and platforms where people like me uh, and sometimes like, you know, people uh, with lesser voice or voice, unheard voices have an opportunity to tell their own stories. And it started, you know, uh, early on in my career and uh, simply because I wanted to demystify this idea of uh, what is chic, what is beautiful, our implicit biases, right? Like, you know, if you think about it, I always keep on asking myself, whenever I say, oh my God, like, let's say, that, that collection is beautiful or that guy is hot or that girl is beautiful. I always check myself and where is it coming from? And oftentimes, you know, I too have been, like, you know, all of us have been, um, you know, informed by the colonial lens. And so I am constantly trying to use my platform to show the world different versions of beauty, different versions of creativity, different versions of storytelling, simply because it is, and I, you know, and I don't believe in cancel culture, just so that, you know, I do not believe in it. I believe in accountability. And I'm not trying to, you know, like kind of like be divisive about this group or that group. I wanted to present a world that often the industry doesn't see beautiful or see possible. And, um, you know, I always say this, these are not for me, not political issues. These are issues about human beings, right? Human issues. And, and how oftentimes have we been mistaken for, um, I'll give you an example. I was at a like, bar like um, two or three weeks ago at Soho Grand. I was at a bar and this bunch of girls came over and they were like, hi, we're a huge fan. I was like, oh, thank you. I said, I'm not sure if you're Jason Wu or Prabhu, like, you know, and, you know, you know and, 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 um, 
You like don't even look remotely similar, but and I know, and, and and I was like, I was like flattered because I love Jason as a designer, as an as a friend. So I was like, that's why. And I, I was like, I said I'm probable. I was like very calm. Then she's like, oh my god, like and, and you know, obviously she was, um, um, you know, like embarrassed. Yeah, she was. She was no, she was just like, oh my god, like was that racist? That's what she said. And I was like, well, it was. Uh, you know, and and I said, yeah. well, I said, well, it was, but it's okay. Now you learn. Next time you won't do. And I said, you know, there's an easiest thing to do is. Google, and I, then she says, "Oh my God!" And I said, don't, and, I, "And I just said to her, I said, don't feel bad about it. I said, it's okay, but you know, but those these are real incidents that happen. You know, these are not stuff that I make up. You know, and so all the more reason for us and for me and with the Slayians, the House of Slay, and for all all of you guys, like, you know, we are somehow um, our visibility really matters simply because I remember growing up and not seeing anyone." Who looked like me that was celebrated in pop culture? I remember when you, Brian, and everyone were on the forefront. You know, like for the longest period of time, you were you guys were treated as like, oh the bloggers. You know, mm-hmm. there was like, and I yeah. and I kept on thinking, had you not been an Asian person, you know, and yeah. it, you know, you know, so I always look at those dynamics about it. You know, there's like a, and and I don't think oftentimes people do it de- deliberately. You know, and. Yeah, it's it's definitely subconscious. And actually, when you say that, you know, I've had to really do a lot of reflection about, you know, the way um, we were, me or Brian Boy emerged in that kind of blogger 1.0 sphere, where a lot of digital creators, all those sort of 1.0 influences, did actually happen to be Asian. It's 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 weird, and I think it is something to do with we didn't see ourselves in the established spaces, you know, like the the Vogues, the style titles, the days, you know, ID or whatever. And so we wanted to create our own space, and the kind of the internet gave us that opportunity. But then. All the while, when we were in entering into the industry, and I've talked about this with Philip and um, uh, you know other um, Asians in the industry, is that we are we come to this position of always being grateful to be at the table or given any kind of space. So much gratitude that we end up sometimes minimizing our like opinions or like or if someone made a comment exactly like that you know if I got mistaken for being Tina which I also have done and we look not I mean we look nothing alike um or no I've been I've been mistaken for Chriselle Army song you know Chriselle Lim Army song again it's, it's we're all sort of like interchangeable anyway but we kind of we just sort of like go oh yeah it's okay it's fine you know we'll just take we'll just take it and um I think I've really come to the realization that that kind of self-minimization, or or just sort of making my making ourselves fit to other people's worlds or to this Eurocentric or Western-centric world, isn't how I want to really like, you know, live my life or uh, go about my career, you know, for the rest of my days. 
No, it's it's so funny, you know, like, so uh, what you said, like, I always say the incident that I just told you about, like, what with someone mistaking me, um, I always say my motto in life is, like, you know, Maria from Sound of Music, firm but kind, you know? Um, I always, <laughs> so it's like, I mean, I love that movie, but, like, you know, you know like, and I always remember her song, like, you know, I'll be firm but kind, and that kind of stayed with me, and so I'm, I'm always been that way. What I will say is, you know, like, before I launched my brand also, when I used to see you, uh, Brian, and everyone there what really what really brought joy to me was the fact that there was in a space that was always allocated to people who didn't look like you know didn't look like us where all of a sudden you guys were there I wasn't thinking oh oh my god they're Asians they're going to like my clothes it was never about it it was just like you know a different finally there's a space where there are different voices different ideas and that's a world that I've always wanted to see um, and you know it's um it is, how I look at it is, for me personally, it's always been about, maybe because of the fact that I didn't grow up in America and I grew up wherever I was and I have an extremely strong mother, um, I was very vocal about the space that I wanted. I felt like I understood my worth. I knew what I could bring to the table. And, you know, I had no delusions about my, um, like, in you know, a talent and, like, you know, whether I was great or whether I was not. I knew, however, what I knew for sure was I wanted to tell a story. And I wanted to create a world that felt, you know, colorful and diverse and inclusive. And so, um, so yeah, so when I see, like, people, and, and it's just, here's the thing also, Susie, it's just not about um, people of, like, an Asian descent. It is of any people of color, anyone, minorities, you know, yeah. women, women of color. Like, and I thrive on that simply because I've always believed in the matriarchal energy that the world requires and needs. We are, look at, at the hands of patriarchy, look at the mess the world is right now. I always say that, you know, yeah. and so, and I feel like, and you know, the, when I'm talking about, you know, for any marginalized group, we lead with intentions and oftentimes, and it, with emotions, you know, and like, we are like, we are very empathetic because we have been othered. And so that perspective is very important for any kind of business. It's just not in fashion, in film, in, you know, like in finance, everywhere. You know, it is needed because if that emotional, quote unquote emotional, like, you know, real uh, feelings is not in the process of, like, you know, creating a business, we are going to be over consuming, over consumption, over making, over, like, and the planet is not going to be able to handle it, right? Um, so that's how I look at it. So it is exciting to see people of, you know, various colors, shapes and sizes and age. Mm. Yeah, I mean, this is the time, I think, of a real reckoning within the industry where voice, like voices of all, you know, shades are just coming through. And I kind of see it like, and it's happened and it may have also been sped up by the pandemic in some ways. And, you know, I wanted to also, I guess, talk about going back to that, almost that original that question that you posed in your at your anniversary show who gets to be american and in your later show who gets to be a girl and obviously with reflecting on how you see yourself in this american fashion landscape because you know obviously the met ball the exhibition has just opened which you're a part of you know where do you like i guess more than a decade on see yourself in this probably even more can not confusing but like definitely a much more sort of patchwork layered american f 
fashion landscape? Um, I would say, you know, like where I stand is um, on my own path, I would like to say, because, you know, it is very much, you know, I've always believed in one thing. I wanted to create, like, you know, my lens and the thing that I like to, like, I'm, like, you know, I get excited about it. This beautiful, pretty clothes. It's glamour. It's through the lens of glamour and all of that. I like to entice people in my world. And when they come in, then have the substantive conversation. Oftentimes I've been to asked and told, well, you're very, you're, you know, like your voice is like, like an activist, you're very political, you're all this stuff, but that your clothes are not for, you know, it's not like easily accessible to like the people. And I said, you know, here's the thing. There are a lot of brands who are like, you know, like active, um, like activated brands that have catered to the people on the ground also, right? Mm-hmm. But then I always say the table through my clothes, um, the table that I am able to be at, uh, the house that I can penetrate are oftentimes the ones who write checks for the political parties. You know, the, these are the ones with the kind of access and high net worth women and men who make decisions about who, in so many ways, where the money is funded. I like to insert myself in those places and have those difficult conversations. Let me just put it this way. It is a lot more... Um, easy to be amongst your friends and you know like all my like I'm on the ground you know you've seen it I'm on the ground I can protest and there are marches and everything and I'm really involved in like in a Planned Parenthood ACLU all of that stuff you have your community and you can you share views and ideas and within my customer base also there are a lot of women and families who believe in my values and um, you know like intentions but there are some who don't to be and to penetrate those tables and have this difficult conversation and i and you know me i don't shy away from those conversation and you know it's never combative i always say like you know i tell my story about it as an immigrant gay man person of color in fashion industry and i tell all of my stories so who gets to be american was another thing they did ask and said what is this about and i said you know i was questioned at an investor meeting by this straight white man about my americanness in spite of being the fact that i'm an american citizen have my own business, pay taxes, in all of that, so it was not enough. And so that was the kind of thing. That started a whole dialogue at this dinner table. I'll never forget that people were just like, oh, we never saw that. You know, do you know what I mean? Mm. And that's how I look at it. It's, you know, the path, Susie, to be completely honest, the path that I've chosen is not an easy one. And I know that. You know, had I just kept quiet and got, gone along making pretty clothes and not be very active, I would have been probably a lot more successful financially, to be completely honest. I remember, like, right after my, you know, that um, Trump election, like, you know, about like, those, all these T-shirts and everything, I remember there were, like, stores that, like, dropped me immediately. There are two or three stores. Yeah. They, yeah, so they they said to me that, you know, like, you know he's very political. And... Um, and I just, you know, and, and I, I had conversation with my business counterparts and CEOs and, you know, I was like, I'm okay with being contained and growing really slowly and steadily rather than being the next it thing and then disappear simply because I know what my path is. I have a, I have a clear sense of where I'm going and where I want to go, right? Through, I, I still want to continue building the business that I've built, built and, but also show that there are different ways to success. And success is not always gazillion stores around the world. Success is always not about, you know, billion dollar net worth. Success is about, for me personally, the amount of lives you've been able to impact in your lifetime. Because at the end of the day, 
you know, you may leave a building behind with your name on it, or you may leave something, but that is not a legacy to me. A legacy is how many people you've impacted with your work during your lifetime, you know? Mm, a real kind of human impact, like kind of, of, of emotional human impact as well. Um, I have to say that I that really chimes in with how I feel about a lot of where fashion is right now is that our parameters of success really need to like shift and change and we need to think about like it's not just about scale 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 big 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 um but actually how you know what are you doing like with your clothes with your collections with your voice that is gonna be memorable you know what and um i think what you do is you kind of you 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 have you strike that kind of very interesting balance of like doing high octane high energy clothes you know full of color volume and life but then behind that is this message that anyone the ultimate message is that anyone should be able to enjoy that and have that yeah which i find really really touching and it's actually a message it sounds like a really obvious message but it actually hasn't been one that is like impressed on you know on people like because do people do a lot of people do see a lot of barriers to entry of entry into the industry you know, I, I have to say, like, uh, I'm a, well, you know, I'm in my late 30s and I've only really had these kind of uh, moments of realisation of, yeah, actually being, um, oh God, paying, doing right by my parents who worked so hard for me to, and to you know be, have my career in fashion but also you know represent my culture and be proud of that and not have to minimize that in any way because that would be you know a shame to them you know and uh yeah I I it but it's taken me so long to realize that and uh I again want to emphasize you know how much you Philip the whole sort of Slasians crew how that really inspired me um so I would yeah I am longing for some kind of reunion somewhere in the world probably probably New York um yes but uh um thank you so much for speaking with me and uh it was uh, it was just such a pleasure to like see you speak to you you know great to see you too like honestly and you know i've said this before your very existence in a fashion landscape 
when we didn't see people like you, people like us, you know, and and also not just like looking the way you look, but the writing the way you write, showing up the way. It was really, really encouraging and healing for a lot of us. I want you to know that. And I want you to know the whole contingency of like in all of you guys there, you know, who have like sometimes like, you know, put aside as bloggers, as I said, but, you know, actually have contributed to the changing landscape of fashion industry and dialogue and conversation. I think in my own opinion, you guys are the most, um, you know, uh, how to say, like, you know, underrated heroes for us, for me especially. Simply, simply because, as I said, the first resistance is showing up, and you guys have been showing up for such a long time. Thank, Thank you, Prabal. I hope we see you soon. Yes. Bye. Bye. Fashion Forum is a co-production between the British Fashion Council and In Talks with Productions. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to find out more and join the conversation on social media, then head to londonfashionweek.co.uk or at London Fashion Week. 